friends, and welcome to the Celebrate and Inspire Life podcast. We are on episode three of season two, and today we're going to discuss purity culture of the 90s and early 2000s, the lies that were created in my own heart and mind from that time, and its effects on my adult life and my marriage. I want to discuss this with grace, respect, and also tact as my story involves others, and ultimately I want to share how the Lord has been revealing these lies to me and also the truth of his word and his design for us as sexual beings. And now that I am not married anymore, how do I live out my sexuality in an expression that is not focused on the do's and don'ts of sex, but fully living as a unique expression of God's image? And finally, what I want to change in teaching my girls going forward. If you were a teenager during the late 90s and early 2000s, I'm sure you remember the book by Joshua Harris, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, and all the different variations of purity courses, ceremonies where we committed our purity or virginity to Jesus, receiving purity rings and all, and committing to remain pure, otherwise known as a virgin until marriage. Sounds innocent enough, right? seems like that's what we would want to be encouraging our children to do. And I absolutely believe that God designed sex for the boundaries of marriage. But unfortunately, the teaching continued that if you even stepped a toe in the direction of sexual desire, then little by little, you were becoming impure and unworthy. But if you saved yourself and waited, God would reward you by bringing you a spouse and a wonderful marriage. But what if I was already becoming impure according to these standards? Who would want me anymore? And what would I have to offer a godly spouse that may be more pure than me in the future? Because according to these standards, my most valuable asset was my virginity. That was a measuring stick for my holiness. And what if on the other side of the coin, others did wait until marriage, but their sexual connection with their husband was not what was promised, or he was not a good husband? Was God then a liar? You can see how this is a works-based reward system and completely contradictory to the gospel. It is not anything that we do or do not do that makes us pure, worthy, or holy. Only the righteousness of Jesus. And we have infinite worth as an image bearer of God. And in the midst of all this teaching and me failing, shame, guilt, unworthiness, and lies from the enemy grew deep roots within me. Francie Winslow, the host of Heaven in Your Home podcast, has been pivotal in helping me put words to my feelings and experiences. The Lord has truly used her own journey to heal so much shame in me and open my heart and eyes to his beauty and glory and all the ways he has created me. Some of those lies that formed in me were, number one, sex is bad and dirty outside of marriage. Therefore, we are dirty if we partake in it. The truth is that God created us sexual beings and our sexual desires are good and we need to steward them according to his design that are there to protect us and to glorify him. Number two, good Christian girls don't talk about or educate themselves on their bodies or sex. The truth is that we should know how our bodies were created by a good God and value the beauty of them and the act of sexual intercourse. I was so unaware of my body that at the age of 16, I was naked with someone and I came away from that experience not knowing if I could be pregnant or not. 
How could I value and respect myself or others if I had no basis for its beauty? Number three, that once I had given into sexual desires, I was less valuable and might as well keep having sex because if it was the ultimate sacred connection, then it will eventually make me happy, connected, and bring me peace. The truth that should have combated that lie was how to express my sexuality as a single person and that my desires are natural and good. Number four, now that I was a good Christian married wife, I should not act like I did when I was sinning. So now I must be reserved and not express my sexual side because I don't want to be the person I was before. The truth, however, was that now that I was married, I had the freedom to willingly, without reservation, give my body fully to my husband. But the shame that had grown in my heart continued into my marriage because it had been based on actions and behaviors and not a heart posture. I felt forever impure when I would share that we had gotten married because I was pregnant and was often reminded of my prior promiscuity. So I didn't want to engage in activity that further embodied and reminded me of that time of my life. All our teenage life, we were told to turn it off, shut down those desires instead of stewarding them. So how do we expect that my mind would have automatically turned on a healthy view of married sex? I had never been taught of the great gift, the blessing to both, the comfort, the holy connection, or the glory that it brings to the Lord. I only viewed sex as something off-limits in one setting, and now acceptable but also expected in the marriage setting. As humans, that's how it always works, right? We so want what is off-limits but automatically reject what we feel is expected of us. So here I am now, not married anymore, single in my 40s. I have started to learn what an expression of me being created as a sexual being looks like in a single non-married state. I have also discovered that possibly the reason I had pain during sexual intercourse was due to the lies I had in my head that caused my body not to relax, a condition known as vaginismus. Recently, I listened to a podcast with Julie Slattery on Java with Julie. She spoke with Dr. Doug Russo about sexuality and singleness. He states that when we think of sexuality, we often only think that singles have two pathways. To abstain from what we think of as sexual expression or desire, meanwhile dreaming of expressing it in marriage one day. And because of this, we idolize marriage and the culmination of finally expressing and fulfilling our sexual desires. The other pathway is to give in to those desires and go against God's design. But we see very fulfilled, single, non-married followers of Christ in the Bible. So how is our sexuality to be expressed in singleness? According to Dr. Doug, we can divide our sexuality into two extensions. Erotic sexuality, which has to do with our gender, male or female, libido, the act of sex and arousal, versus social sexuality, which is hugs, connecting in conversation, serving, creating, complimenting in an erotic way. Ultimately, in both settings, we want to be known, valued, and celebrated. And oftentimes, we find it easier to get naked with someone and connect with our bodies than to connect by deeply getting to know someone. 
We are usually so focused on behaviors and do's and don'ts instead of valuing, protecting, and celebrating the sexuality of our brothers and sisters in Christ and ourselves because we have not been taught how to steward it differently in singleness and marriage. Our church communities should be appreciating and complementing the value they see in its members and teaching how to steward attraction and desire instead of shunning it. Dr. Doug encourages us to ask these questions in every season, whether single, married, or finding yourself single again because of divorce or being widowed. Who does God want me to become in this season? What am I being asked to steward in a certain way? What is he teaching me and how is he forming my character? Not behavior modification, but heart posture. So how does this happen in a practical way? On the Heart of Dating podcast with Kate Tomlin, she talks with Kat Harris about this. Kat gives a definition of sexuality as the human desire that we all have to connect and be with other people. The act of sex is just one aspect. So when we feel these desires, instead of immediately giving into them or shutting them down, we should do these things. Number one, acknowledge them. Express gratitude and bring them to God. Think about what your desire is showing you that you are yearning for. Whether it's marriage or connection, is it that you are lonely or sad? This may bring a time of suffering because God may ask you to steward this time if you're yearning for marriage and not able to be married yet, but it will grow your dependence on him. Number two, be present and be sensual. We often think about this word only in a sexual context, but what about outside of the bedroom? It means to put your phone away, use your senses to engage in your surroundings, savor smells, taste, how things feel, sound, and marvel at the beauty around you. Number three, collaborate. Host a gathering, start something with someone, a nonprofit, a band, a podcast, partner with others as you volunteer or work. And number four, embodiment. Be conscious of your body and see how beautifully you have been created. By working out, deep breathing, having dance parties, bless and take care of your body. In doing these things, we are avoiding compartmentalizing how we were created. Because when we compartmentalize, we are disassociating from our body. But the Bible says to glorify the Lord with your mind, body, and spirit. We should not be shutting down sections of our image created by him. God cares about our heart, not just behavior modification. So now that I've taken this journey through discovering the lies that I had believed and the truths that set me free, what do I want to change going forward? What do I want to instill in my girls' hearts? Because as I think back to some things I've said or done, I know that I have not done this perfectly and I know that I won't do this perfectly in the future but what in my heart do I want to change and want to instill in their hearts Francie Winslow who I referenced earlier with the Heaven in Your Home podcast had a conversation with Christian Neal founder of Sex Reclaimed Christian's work focuses on creating an ongoing conversation about sex and our bodies with our children at an appropriate age level. Less about correcting behavior in the teen years 
and always having the right answer, but more about walking with your child as they go through different phases and seasons of their life, always being open to questions and conversation. The first step Kristen shares is that we have to do the hard work of looking at ourselves and analyzing what our heart says about sex. What do we believe about sex, as I have done here? Is there anything that I am addicted to? Do I have shame or wounds that need to start to heal? It's hard work, but it's fruitful work because it involves and creates intimacy, care, and a knowing of yourself. If you're married, what kind of conversations are you and your spouse having? And as a woman, are we engaging with each other on these topics? Or are we continuing to keep them in the dark as a taboo topic? Or are we reframing our hearts and minds about holy sexuality according to God's word? And in our, in our conversations with our kids, are we acting and talking from a place of fear, shame, and control? Or humility, love, and curiosity? I know that many times in my parenting, it was from a place of fear and shame, fearing that my girls would make the same mistakes as me and that shame would grow inside of them as well. But I had not uprooted all the lies at that point and didn't know how to completely break the cycle by celebrating God's great gift and design. As we journey with our children, Celebrate dialogue and invite the Holy Spirit into your own journey and their journey as well. And finally, as I was trying to formulate my own thoughts about what I want my girls to know going forward and what I would have wanted my younger self to hear and know, Francie came out with a podcast voicing exactly this. She has been on this journey for several years now, and I am grateful that the Lord has used the hard work that she has done to fast track my healing, which I am praying for you as you listen to my journey from shame to freedom in Christ as well. These are her exact words, and they are a soothing balm from God's heart to all of us women of all ages. So number one, your body is amazing. It is a gift from heaven that connects you to God's heart and reveals God's heart to the world around you. It is a place of intimate connection because God speaks to us by what happens in our bodies. We get to listen and learn from our bodies because we are incarnational beings. Jesus was the ultimate incarnational being. God came in a body to show us how to live connected to love and how to express love through our body. Your body is not a stumbling block. Your body is not dirty. It is not a burden and not dangerous. Your body is an image bearer. Your body is the temple of the Lord. Your body is how God lives in you and moves through you. And your sexuality, whether stewarding it in a season of singleness or marriage, is part of that. In different seasons of life, your femininity, maternal nature, your ability to be receptive to God and others will show up in different ways. But ultimately, all of it is beautiful and all of it is good. Number two, pleasure is not my enemy. Sensuality is not sinful. Locking into my senses and realizing that everything I see and experience is a small glimpse of the infinite true beauty and intricately detail-oriented nature of God is an opportunity to worship. As I enjoy pleasure, I live connected to God in a sensual way. My longings, desires, and sexuality are gifts 
that I get to bless and not avoid or shut down. My longing for intimacy, connection, and companionship are healthy. They put me in touch with an eternal longing for the beauty of God, the union with God, my creator. Number three, your femininity is a superpower, not a weakness, not something to wall off or harden up because it is not a sign of being lesser than, but a beautiful display of being receptive, open, invitational, fluid, tender, and life-giving. You have emotions that bring blessings to others around you. In your singleness, this looks like hospitality, your maternal instinct to gather. The role of your job doesn't matter. It's how you carry the gift of God by being female. And this all transfers into marriage and motherhood as you enter those seasons. But cultivating and finding God's heart for your femininity now and being confident in it is a beautiful gift for you. In scripture, God often often refers to himself like a mother hen wanting to gather his children to himself, or a mother bear wanting to protect. And people primarily get to experience these characteristics of God through women who embody their femininity with ease and confidence and a sense of presence. Number four, marriage is not a vacation, it is a vocation. Your ache for the calling of marriage is a calling to flourish and to die, to soar and to be weak together. In that space, it is a calling to pursue pleasure on purpose. Because in marriage, you get to activate different spaces of your sexuality. Not only the times of having sexual intercourse, but also the everyday grind, showing up for one another with vulnerability, choosing connection when it's easier to lean out or pull away, learning how to fight for each other instead of against each other. All of these relational skills you can practice in your Christian community now. Choosing connection when it's easier to disconnect. Having hard conversations that lead to fruitful breakthroughs. Doing the work in your own story, your own pain from things that have happened to you or painful parts of your story. Working through that now so that when you get married, you can navigate the highs and lows of marriage from a deeper place of wholeness and integration. Because it's hard to connect with someone when you are fragmented and fractured. Marriage is wonderful and it is hard because you are doing impossible work of the two becoming one, which is impossible apart from the grace of God. And in that oneness, there is a profound fruitfulness. It is a mission that has an end where we take dominion together on the earth by going to war against the enemy of our souls, our children, and our community. Number five, no one will ever be able to completely fulfill you. In the deep places of your soul that longs to be known, seen, and loved perfectly, other than the living God. And once married, there will be times of joy and happiness, and there will be times of sorrow where you feel completely afraid, alone, and broken. And ultimately, in all of those seasons, the Lord, the lover of your soul, is your rock, the anchor of your soul. Never stop cultivating your intimacy with the living God, because that is your life source. Guard your heart, the core place of who you are as a daughter of God, because out of it flows all the things of life. Set up people and places around you to continue to grow, challenge, honor, and protect that intimacy alongside you. Because what if you gain the whole world, the great guy, and the white picket fence, and lose your soul? 
Whatever your vocation is, whether singleness, marriage, and family, teacher, missionary, janitor, etc., you are called to glorify God with your gifts and in your season. End quote. This was a deep talk, friends, but I pray that the words of others, my words, and ultimately the truth of God's word has been an instrument in you finding healing and true freedom in Christ and your sexuality. This is a lifelong journey with our creator, and it doesn't happen all at once, but he promises to walk with us for all the days of our lives. Washing our minds with the truths of his word, strengthening us as we steward our season, welcoming us continuously with open arms. Not because of anything we do or do not do, but because of who we put our faith in. We are holy, we are pure, we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and are created with beauty and without shame. If you have not submitted your life to Christ, I invite you to do so today. He is waiting to gather you to himself. I also pray that this is only the beginning as the ripple effects of your healing change your family, your community, and the generations to come. Share this episode with a friend or family member that may need to hear these truths as well. And all the resources I mentioned, as well as others I've found helpful, can be found in the show notes. There are so many different layers to unpack from theological, emotional, spiritual, to practical in this topic. Um, Francie's podcast in particular, um, Heaven in Your Home, there are specific episodes that I will highlight in the show notes that talk about purity culture, but then I would suggest that you start at episode one and go all the way through because it's it will be a very healing journey for you. So I will talk to you next time, friends, on the Celebrate and Inspire Life podcast. Have a great day.